huge welcome to the Where Pets Are Family podcast, which is brought to you by the team from MaxiZoo. In this series, we will bring you tips and useful advice. And we will also introduce you to some of our special team from around the country who will tell us all about their favourite pets. We love our pets just as much as you do. I hope you enjoy the show. Emma Fanny, a big welcome back to the podcast. How are Thanks, you? Thanks, Greg. I'm good. I'm good. Good to see you. Yeah, we're pets or family. Absolutely. Pets are still family in my house anyway. Yeah, definitely, for sure. So today I want to talk about maybe bringing them outside of the family and outside yes. of the home and doing that safely and yeah. socializing them out of the house. Yeah. We've spoken about, you know, making your space appropriate. And on the previous episode, you were chatting about making sure that the area at the back of your house is enclosed. So obviously yeah. they're not running out. But when you do decide to venture forth, yeah. take them for their exercise and everything. When it comes to leads and, and we're up to with dogs to, to begin with, leads and harnesses and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Where Socializing do I begin? our pet is, is important. So I think taking our, just say our dog, away from the home is a good idea. Um, because if you have a pet that never leaves the house and is 100% of their time at home, and next thing you have to take them to the vet or you have to take them to kennels for a week when you decide to go on holidays, that is a very, very daunting experience for them if they've never left the house before. My dog is very well used to getting into the car, so she goes over to my mom's with me. Um, I can bring her to the beach. I can and bring her different places, and thankfully she doesn't get car sick. Um, but taking them out from the home is good. It's good to socialise them, get them used to different environments, get them used to different smells, different dogs, different people, so that if they did ever have to do that, that it's not as, as a daunting experience for them. So I suppose taking them out, then it's how are we equipped for that? What do we need to bring with us? Do we need a collar? Do we need a lead? What kind of lead do we need? What kind of a harness do we need? Which is better? So we have different considerations to take then once we leave the home, how do we how do we face that experience or what do we need to know? Because I know in my case with our two. Yeah. With both of them, I have this big long extendable lead. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of freedom when we walk, but it kind of reels in as well. So yeah. when you need to keep them close to you, you can do that as well. Yeah. So what's your best advice about what they should have and the choice of things might be appropriate for them? Personally I use a harness. So a harness it's it's something that goes around their body, so it clips on, so it has a little ring on the back of it, at the, uh, kind of sitting behind their shoulders, and the lead clips on there. I find with a body harness, it's more comfortable uh, most of the time for the pet, and it's more comfortable for us. Because sometimes if you have a collar on your pet's neck and they pull, so if they're mad for road and they're pulling you down the road and they're very excited, if they're pulling on a collar, it can tend to actually pull on their neck a lot and you'd hear that kind of choking and chucking kind of noise. And that's a very logical yeah. thing. If it was on your neck, yeah, you'd course. know all about yeah. it very quickly. So you would. You'd know all about it. So having a harness on them, so you're clipping them at their shoulders, they're pulling then from their shoulders and it's a lot more comfortable for them and it's a, it's a little bit more comfortable for you. Now, a harness is not going to stop a dog pulling. It just stops that yanking on the neck. So it stops the stress around pulling. Yeah. Um, so it won't prevent them from pulling, but will definitely make the experience a bit more comfortable for both parties. 
with a harness I find that it's very important to to have one fitted properly so this has happened to me in the past before that I have a harness and it goes on overhead and it clips under her belly and when she pulled a certain way so normally she's pulling in front and I'm behind her but I wanted to go in a different direction so I was pulling her and it actually came over her head um, and she got out of it panic stations oh my god that's please, happened to me <laughs> please stay like don't run um yeah so if the harness is, is fitted properly it shouldn't you should be able to to fit two fingers in between I suppose the belt of where the harness ties and the dog and uh, so it should be snug it shouldn't be loose that it can it can get out over them yeah. I'm gonna ask you a very unfair question <laughs> Is it okay for me to come into Maxi Zoo with my dog and to ask the team's advice about which harness? And would they even go as far as help me to pick out the right one and even fit it, you know, because I know they're adjustable and everything yeah, else. Yeah, so absolutely. So this um, happens all the time. So people always come in. And I actually recommend if somebody comes in without their dog and they're asking about a harness, it's a lot actually easier for ourselves to recommend and for you uh, to bring in the pet if the dog or cat or whatever is comfortable that they're not super nervous coming into a store environment. Um, if they're comfortable to come into a store, it's a lot easier for you because you know exactly what size to get. You're looking and I'm judging you, tell me you have, I don't know, a greyhound and I'm looking at the, the harness and I'm not sure of their measurements. So if you have the dog with you, we can try on the different harnesses. We can find one that suits. Some of them are easier to put on than others. The one I have, it literally goes in over the head and clips under the belly. There's no such thing as having to step into them. So it's about finding what's easier for you to put on. And then you'll know exactly what size to get because the dog's in front of you. So we can help you try on the harnesses on your pet or else we can advise if the, the pet is more comfortable with you trying them on them. We can show you how to obviously open them, let them out and so on. So it's a, I definitely advise that. It's a lot easier to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, then you need an appropriate lead. Yeah. So there's lots of different lead options. So you have just your standard lead, so which is your handle that you hold in your clip. Then you have the flexi lead, so something like you said you use yourself, Greg. Then you have a lead that can walk two dogs. So you have, I suppose, if you have more than one dog, you can clip on um, two dogs at the same time. The flexi leads are quite popular. They can go kind of five, eight meters in length. It's just, this was with them to make sure you, you can set them to a certain length. You can stop them with the button to stop them. But once they're let out, maybe eight meters, it can be quite difficult to get them back in quickly. You know, you can't just pull them back as easy. And uh, so it's just that I suppose you have control over that. Sometimes if you have a pet that's new or if you have a child maybe walking a dog, it's easier to just have your short lead for them to have control over the dog until it's trained. But once it's trained then and you're more confident with the pet without walking in public, the longer leads are absolutely fine for that, yeah. Yeah, so if you are taking them down to the park, you need to have your dog on the lead. And, but you, at the same time, you want to give yeah. them a bit of freedom. I presume it's a good thing that they do have a little bit of length. Yeah, look, if you're wander. in a, a place, I could just say, if, if I was up the woods with Willow, she can kind of have a rein, you know, she can have a long lead or she could possibly be off the lead. But if I was in town, I would have to have her on a quiet and short lead in case she reacted to another dog, in case she reacted to traffic. I would have to have a lot more control. So I suppose what environment you're walking them in, if it's in a town setting, maybe a country setting, you might be able to give them a little bit more freedom. Yeah. Okay. So there's the harness or a collar, but harness you think the harness collar, is better. Yeah. And then there's the different types of leads. 
if you have a very active dog, and yeah. I know some dogs, like mine, they, yeah. yeah, they need a big, quick run, mm-hmm. you probably need to be taking them to a field or something where yeah. you can let them off and give them a bit of exercise. Yeah. I know with my two, one in particular, Honey, may not be inclined to come back in a hurry. She's the darter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have any tips for that situation? Look, I suppose my dog's a little bit like Honey. She is a collie, so if she gets the smell of a rabbit or a fox, the head goes down and she runs. And I might as well be trying to call Stumpy to come. So, (laughs) yeah, she's gone like that. And I suppose the instinct is just in her to do that and to take off. It's quite frightening when that happens because we're worried, are they going to run into traffic? Where are they gone? If they're very well trained, look, they, they, you know, they should heal or, or stop. But sometimes when my dog gets an idea in her head and it happens to a lot of people, they're gone and that's it. And I suppose try not to panic too much. If you know that your dog is liable for doing that, try and keep them, I suppose, maybe in a quieter area. I suppose I'm very lucky where I live, that I live in a very quiet area and I live in the country. So there's not a huge danger of a main road anywhere near us. If you are in a built-up area, it's just it's trying to get them back. Don't put yourself in danger running into traffic either. You don't want to, to get yourself into trouble either. But making sure that your pet is microchipped and they have possibly a name tag on their collar or on their harness with a contact number. Yeah, or just even to display, I am chipped. I suppose there's a bit of debate sometimes that people come in getting a name tag and they're like, should I put the dog's name on the tag or not? If the dog is stolen, then they're going to know my dog's name. So a lot of people would just put a contact number or put, I am chipped. So if somebody finds your pet, they can take them to a vet or they can take them to a Maxi's store. And we have um, microchip scanners and we can actually scan to check if the dog is microchipped. But uh, any vet in Ireland will do that as well, that you can literally take in a dog or a pet that you find and scan them to see if they have a microchip. So if you have a dog... And would that lead them to the owner? That will lead them to the owner. So it's so important. So it's, it's now law in Ireland that every dog has to be microchipped. And it's very important to keep the details of that up to date. So if you buy a pet tomorrow, they will be microchipped. They should be microchipped. And... The breeder will have microchipped the, the pup and the pup will have the breeder's information on it. So then when you buy the dog, you will get the, the microchip card. And it's your responsibility then to contact the company that I suppose Fido is the most common one. And you swap the details over. So you put your own details onto it. Because if your dog ran off tomorrow, Greg, and someone found it and it's chipped but it's chipped to the breeder you got the dog off that's no good to them you know the, the breeder's not going to remember who what dog yeah. this went to so uh, if you move house if you change your contact number that a lot of people forget that they need to change it on the dog it's like your car registration yeah. is it your yeah. change of ownership form so keeping that up to date <laughs> is so important yeah definitely yeah I've known somebody that their dog went missing and it was missing for six years and next thing they got a call and their dog had possibly been stolen somebody had bought the pet didn't realize and it got ill and it went to the vet after six years and the vet scanned it for a chip and the contact details were for the original owner and the vet rang them six years later and said we have your dog the vet obviously so, suspected something was maybe, up here yeah maybe whatever happened something, yeah whatever happened but yeah I, I doubt that owner was ever expecting to get the call but there you go you know it does happen so I think what you're saying as well is that it is a case of knowing your dog and their nature. And if they yeah. are going to belt for it and run, yeah. you really do need just to keep them on a lead, don't you? 
Yeah. And keep them in a safe place where you know that. You need to keep them in a safe place. If you don't trust your dog, it's very hard. You're taking a risk. Um, So it is maybe putting them on the long lead, but definitely have the microchip up to date if there is ever an accident. But yeah, it's it's hard, but you have to be able to trust your dog and that your dog is well trained if something like that happens. They come back. That's some really good tips. Thank you. (laughs) When it comes to change of the weather, I know you're walking them in the dark and everything. Yeah. That's another ball game, isn't it? Yeah, so I suppose it won't be long now and we'll be coming home from work at six o'clock and it'll be dark and we'll still need to walk our dog you know, regardless of if it's dark or if it's bright. So we need to start thinking about lighting up our pets and lighting ourselves up. So if we were going for a walk in the evening and it was it was dark, we would put on a high vis. And we should be thinking about doing the same for our pets. So if we're lighting ourselves up to be seen in the dark, we also need to think about lighting up our pets. Because if we, if I was walking down the road with a high vis on, but I had a dog by my side and there was no light anywhere near the dog, the dog could very easily be missed and possibly be in an accident. So it's about thinking about what do we need to get for the pet then to make sure that they're safe in the dark as well as us. There's lots of different options. You get a little high vis like us. We have high vis for for your pet. My dog personally hates wearing clothes or anything similar to it. So I could get like a little flashing beacon for her collar or her harness. It's like a flashing light. Very fancy. Very fancy. <laughs> have to be. It has to match as well. Has to match the harness. If you had a long haired dog. You might see that, so it might be covered. So maybe you can get a lead, so you can get a lead that flashes or that has a light up on it as well. So there's lots of different options available to suit because, say, a flashing light might be fine for a short-haired dog, but not for a long because it'll just be hidden. So what will suit? So it's just important to make sure that they're lit up in the dark the same as, as we would be because the last thing we want is them getting in an accident. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that's the conversation about our dogs and they're on leads and they come home and yeah. it's all very controlled to a point unless yes. they pick up an ascent. How about these wandering cats? Wandering cats. Like I said, I don't have any cats at the moment, but we've always had cats growing up and cats do wander, especially male unneutered cats tend to wander a lot. They have very good vision in the dark. My parents at home when we were younger, we had they slept in the garage and we had kind of a cat flap on the garage door and they could go in and out but at night time they'd actually lock them in and they didn't want them going off wandering at night and sometimes they'd turn up for bed or for a curfew and sometimes they wouldn't um so wandering cats i suppose if you were a little bit unsure or anxious or you had a cat that maybe you left them out during the day and you they stayed in in your house at night time and it came to that time in the in the evening that they weren't turning up or you were worried about them. You could try and and not feed them. I suppose have their feeding time at a certain hour, maybe nine o'clock, or try not to feed them before you let them out in the evening so that they'll come back. Then they'll know it's dinner time when they come home and trying to entice them back. But if they're hunters, then it might be another issue. They might fill their belly elsewhere. <laughs> Cats tend to be tend to be wanderers they tend to go to a few doors sometimes in the neighborhood i definitely know when we were younger there was more than us feeding our cats at home the size of them so yeah cats are a little bit different they tend to to have a mind of their own and do their own thing they're very independent and i suppose that's a good thing about them too that they're not as demanding as dogs um if you had a pet cat at home they very much like their own space and they're they can leave out the bowl and, and leave them there they and their litter box and they don't have as much needs 
as a dog, but they are very, very independent. So it's actually no harm to have them microchipped as well, especially if they are wondering. It's not law that in Ireland that cats have to be microchipped, but it's definitely a good idea that if they were wandering and cats tend to travel quite far, if they did turn up somewhere else, that your information is there. Well, we are out and about, come back to the topic of dogs, socialising with other dogs and, and the pet owners. You see a lot of people when you're out and about, you know, pulling the dogs away from each other. Yeah. Is that the right thing to do or should you let them get to know each other a little bit? What would your advice it's be? It's about knowing your own dog's body language. So my own dog is used to going and meeting other dogs because she goes to, like I discussed on a previous podcast, she goes to school or daycare. So <laughs> she's, she's very uh, well used to meeting other dogs. She's a little bit more unsure of people sometimes. So it's about knowing your own dog's body language and when to stop. So if there are two dogs that are excited to come together, I would always, I would have them on a control lead that I, if I need to pull her back, that I can. But I would, I would let them sniff each other. Do you know, just touch noses, maybe sniff. And then know your own dog's body language if their ears are down or if the hackles are raised you know there might be uncomfortable obviously then there is the obvious signs later on like showing teeth and but generally they will show smaller signs tail in between the legs that they're uncomfortable before that so it's about knowing your own dog's limit I would let them generally let my dog meet another dog but I know when she's going to react so I know when I need to pull her back so yeah it's just about being more I suppose aware of your own dog trust hopefully that than a person that has the other dog. And you're saying to carefully look out for those signs. What are those signs again that they're not comfortable? Yeah, so generally um, tail in between the legs, um, ears will be possibly down, hackles raised, so that would be their hair yeah. kind of trying to raise up on the back of their kind of shoulders. Then they could uh, be licking their lips and um, would be another one. So a kind of licking their lips, licking their nose. Then you might see the more obvious signs of kind of showing the teeth and maybe growling barking, <laughs> stuff like that yeah yeah because sometimes it's a little bit of playful stuff that's going absolutely, on and, absolutely and that can easily turn into aggression then, then when you have just say when our next door neighbor got our new dog it was a huge adjustment for my dog because my we kind of all share the same garden we kind of live very close uh, in the country and my dog was that was her garden for two years and she didn't have to share it with anybody and next thing there was a new dog and it was, it took an adjustment. It took maybe, it, it took kind of four weeks before they were playing together. Do you know, like the puppy is mad about my dog and is jumping on her, but she's like, stay away from me. I am not sure. Do you know, I don't know who are you? Get out of my garden. So she's very much keeping her distance from her and she might jump on my dog, my dog will jump back, do you know, and kind of give her a look as if to say, don't come any further. Now they're the best of buddies now. But it, it did, it took a while for that to happen. It's not just, I love you straight away. It's, I don't know who you are. I need to get to know you. Why are you in my garden? And then she had to accept, okay, you're not leaving. So I'm going to have to get on with you. But yeah, it does. It takes time. And the socialising then with other people. I know ourselves when you go out, in particular mm. kids. Yeah. And they're running over to you. Can I rub your dog? And in our case, we've one very yeah. beautiful, friendly dog, but yeah. he gets nervous. Yeah. And Honey then, of course, backs away totally, and yeah. but she'd be as safe as anything. In, in terms of approaching other people, kids or even adults, would you have any tips there? I think kids and adults are a lot better now to ask first. So I think 
that a lot of the time if I have my own dog or if you had your dogs and I need that a lot of times you would see children asking now can I rub your pet because they know and I suppose they've been educated that way that you can't run up to a strange dog because not every dog is comfortable with that with my own dog because she's quite nervous and quite anxious I actually put a yellow ribbon on her harness so a yellow ribbon signifies that she is a little bit anxious or nervous and a lot of people would recognize that as don't not to touch um if somebody wanted to touch my dog I would if I was kind of unsure of her I would just say actually sorry she's a little bit anxious she's a bit nervous if you don't mind no I suppose it's hard to see a little child disappointed as well but I think people are more understanding now but yeah it's just take your time like my dog would probably be fine if I kind of knelt down beside her and if somebody came up that way she would know like that that, that it's okay but I would just tell somebody if you weren't comfortable you didn't trust your dog with a child or possibly another adult because they're nervous I would just tell them not to and it's not about being rude it's just about no, keeping everyone safe rude. and yeah. being responsible yeah absolutely and like socializing and, and inviting them into new environments like that will build a dog's confidence you know it'll just take time but if you have somebody like that hands in going for them it can be a little bit daunting you'd see them back and back so if they're not comfortable don't push them you don't want to push them yeah so get out there with your pets, with your dogs, <laughs> give them loads of exercise, make sure they're equipped properly, that you are as well in those dark nights and know your dog and take responsibility, whether that's with other pets or yeah. with people. Any final word before we say goodbye to the listeners today? Just that I'm delighted to be back and I'm looking forward to chatting to you all again soon for another topic. And I hope you find the tips helpful. If you need that, just pop into any of our Max stores and we'll help you out. Well, I'm learning loads and I never knew about the yellow ribbon. So thank you for that. <laughs> no problem, Greg. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Emma. Now let's hear from one of the special members of the Maxi Zoo team and all about their favourite pet. Patrick Murphy, a big welcome to the Where Pets Are Family podcast. How are you today? I'm very good, Greg. Thanks very much for speaking to me. You're very welcome. Could you tell me a little bit about where you're from and what your role is with Maxi Zoo? Yeah, I live in uh, the beautiful area of Greg Namana in County Kilkenny. Um, almost on the top of a mountain looking out over the valley. It, it's a fabulous, fabulous place. Um, and I've been with Maxi Zoo for the last six months as the district manager for the Munster district. Uh, so I look after 10 stores, everything from uh, Newbridge down to Tralee and everything in between. Just like our pets have different personalities, do each of the stores have different personalities, would you say? They absolutely do. Every single one of them is different. Yeah, they, very much so. They all bring their... their <laughs> Their challenges, they all bring their plus points. Yeah, they, they really do. Doors takes on the personality of their manager. <laughs> uh, so just like our pets, they can be, uh, they come in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> they, do, they do, absolutely. That's what keeps it interesting. Have pets been in your life for more than a day or two? They have. I grew up on a farm. I've had pets and animals surrounding me. I was trying to think of, of what my first pet was, and I can't think of what my first pet was because I've always have memories of pets, animals. I grew up with greyhounds as pets and as, as uh, race dogs, horses, cats, chickens, ducks, geese, cows, everything. <laughs> everything. I don't remember a time when I didn't have any of these things. Animal Kingdom. <laughs> Animal Kingdom, absolutely. The difference now, I guess, is that, you know, 
the pets now I've had to transition from pet being fed the scraps off the tables to actually properly looking after pets as, as we do now. It's been a huge progress. Yeah, in our first episode, I did a big conversation with Emma around pet nutrition and I was asking her that exact question about the good, the bad and the ugly about feeding your pets the scraps from the table. Not to be recommended anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was saying, you know, even people with the best habits do it the odd time when your pet looks at you with their gooey eyes, you know. The odd time, if you slip, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> no, it's if you not. It's not. I, I would find <laughs> that I'm quite disciplined with my pet ownership. And even now when I'm preparing dinner for some reason, which obviously I don't know anything about, my pet comes over and sits there waiting for a treat. So uh, I'm I'm not as disciplined as I like to think I am. I I was on holidays recently and it was quite the change to go out for dinner and not to have a four-legged creature under the table just waiting there for a little bit for you and a little bit for me. That seems to be how it rolls in my house. They become such a part of the family now that when they're not there, it does feel like there's something missing, doesn't it? Yeah, Oh, yeah, totally. I'd nearly go as far to say a house isn't a home without a pet. You obviously grew up with a lot of animals and pets. Did you have a favorite growing up, did you? I would always have had a favorite of the greyhounds. So, yeah, lots and lots of exercise. The nutrition, obviously, at that stage was very, very important because they were both uh, track race dogs and my pets as well. I often said to my dad that they eat better than we do. Um, <laughs> they were, oh, I know. They were, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, the, the greyhounds, uh, always. What were their names? What was your favorite called? Oh, Patch. Patch was a, a black and white, uh, obviously a, a patch on his eye of, of black. Everything else white. <laughs> do you have pets now? I do. I have a, a Cocker Spaniel called Cooper. Um, Cooper. He, yeah, Cooper, indeed. Does he have a unique personality? He does. For me, it's a unique personality, but certainly when I speak to other people with Cocker Spaniels, they say that they, there are traits that run through them. But he will bark and run. We have a long uh, fence along where the the road is. He will run all day long, barking at nothing. (laughs) There's a cloud or a leaf or a a fly or anything. It doesn't matter to him. He will run and bark at it. Yeah. So it just doesn't stop. Maybe he can see something that we just can't. Maybe there's things out there. I'm not sure. (laughs) What do you think, Patrick? I think maybe we're being kind to him. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly takes his role at protecting us very, very seriously. Yeah, they absolutely do. I've got a guy here as well now who, um, God loves someone (laughs) coming to the door, but it's all noise, to be honest with you. Same with Cooper. He he bark, 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 bark. Now, I live in the middle of of nowhere, uh, you know, so, so luckily there's not too many people going past. But the minute then that they stop, he just wants to be, introduced he wants to be petted ever since he was a puppy there's a great dane that walks past our house every day and as i said there's a big long fence along the the house and cooper would take great offense to the great dane coming along and would bark alongside the great dane all the way up the fence and the great dane robin just looks down at him as if to say what 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 are you going to do about it (laughs) Um, and robin is the, the calmest dog i've ever seen and now two years later, they have such a great relationship that Cooper waits for Robin coming up the road or Robin waits for Cooper at the fence. 
for Cooper to come out so that the two of them can walk up barking away, happy at, e- at each other. And it's gone from that barking of, what are you doing here, barking, to having a little chat as they're going up along the fence. It's lovely. They, they do it on the way up and on the way back down again every single day. It sounds like they're just two buddies, you know, just like any of the rest of us are friends. Absolutely. They're friends waiting for each other for their little play date every day. Yeah. <laughs> That's lovely. Do you consider Cooper to be part of the family, do you? Funny, my daughter said to me when we got her, I always said to her she could have a puppy when we bought our first house, which we did. And she said to me recently, is it like the family is complete now, Dad? I was like, it is. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely part of the family. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think it's good for families in particular, you know, families with kids and everything else to have a pet? I do for lots of reasons. As I say, I live uh, very uh, isolated. You know, there there aren't that many people around. So for my daughter, she's 12. Cooper is her friend, her best friend. He's her companion. He's her, you know, they do everything together. So that connection, that social connection between her and and her dog is, is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. But also, obviously, you've got the responsibility element that you've got, you know, a child learning to look after another being that bond that they have is is huge it's super super strong and from her i've seen a massive difference in her since we've got a pet um than, than she was previously she'll go out she'll walk around she'll dance around the garden all the time with cooper with her you know that the two of them are inseparable first thing she does when she gets home from school is go to the dog last thing she does when she's going out to school in the morning is wait at the gate for Cooper to come over to say goodbye. Yeah, it absolutely. It, you don't see it at the time, but there was definitely something missing until we got him. Fantastic. Do you have your odd chat with Cooper, do you? I do. I do. I <laughs> I wasn't that fussed about getting uh, a Cocker Spaniel. I always grew up with larger dogs and I wanted a larger dog. But I, I as, as most of us do, we bend to what our daughters want. So I saw, <laughs> that's the way it works. <laughs> it, it is the way it works. And Cooper, as a puppy, he when when I first got him, he would not go to sleep until he'd had a cuddle with me. And I didn't realize this until one evening I came in from work late, and I was too tired to sit on the couch and have him sitting on my lap. So I just put him straight to bed, and he would not settle. And I couldn't think why he wouldn't settle until I went. Ah, we haven't had our cuddle yet. So I had to bring had to bring him up, and then I realized that was our our routine. So he cuddled for five minutes and then went back down to bed, and um, perfectly fine. But when I was sitting there another time, and I saw a, a quote, it was, I think it was the Today FM quote. They put it up on their page, and it said, "There is no love like that of a man and a pet he didn't want." <laughs> and I, 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 that's absolutely true because the two of us every night now you know I'll, I'll pretend to be the disciplinarian but he sits on my lap even now two years old he still thinks he's a puppy still climbs on my head still licks the back of my ears i'm like you're not a puppy anymore stop but yeah absolutely it's that bond between the two of us it's fantastic yeah, it sounds like he has you under his spell. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, I know. I, I like to pretend I'm uh, I'm the tough one, but I'm not with either my daughter or Cooper. When you're in the stores dealing with customers and everything else, what's the most common question that you get asked by customers? A lot of it is around the, the habits of the dogs, and each of the dogs has their own personality, and and there isn't really a particular question the the best part of my day is when i'm in the stores and they get to meet the dogs so for example i was in mahan the other day 
and there was a big Labrador about to go in for grooming, but he was nervous. So he sat on the ground and wouldn't go in. So the family and, and I, we all sat on the floor with him, chatting to him <laughs> until, he, until he was used to his environment and then went in. So it, it's fantastic to just see all of the different pets that come in to the different stores. And I think, you know, I, I went, I did training in Austria where they all actually bring their pets in to work with them. So I do love the aspect of getting to see animals every day. I've worked in retail for 29 years now. and This is the first place that you ever have that interaction. And I'll never get tired of that. And that relationship between animals and people, do you think, and from your experience, Patrick, and you've obviously had them all your life, do they sense when you're up and when you're down, do you think? Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. Years ago, I was at a, a meeting with a different company that I worked with, and there was a motivational speaker there. It was Gerla Conan, who at the time was the Clare Hurling Manager. And he, again, I don't know, you know, at the time he was known, I think, and as the speaker asked him, you know, does it bother you to be known as the most hated man in hurling in Ireland? And he sat there and his style of management at the time was very much that they were siege mentality and, and they had to beat everyone because everyone wanted to beat them. And, you know, it was very much that sort of mentality. So I understood the question. I thought it was a tough question, but I understood it. And he stopped for a second and, and he thought about it. And he said, you know what? He said, when I go home from work every day, my dog still licks my face. And I just remember that as going, that's exactly what. The, the relationship is that they know exactly when to do the right things. They they know when to test you. They know when to cuddle up to you. They know when to do it when they're told. They know when not to do it when they're told. They do. Yeah, absolutely they do. They never, in my experience, they never push you beyond where you are on that day. They always know how to bring you around. I'm getting a sense you like your job, Patrick, just a tiny bit. <laughs> I do. I love, I love my job. I've been in retail for, as I say, about 29 years. I started when I was, yeah, well, younger. And I've always been passionate about retail. I love retail. And retail is a type of role that you kind of have to love it to do it properly because it isn't a nine to five job. You know, it's a job that if you don't like it, then it probably isn't for you. It's not one that you can just put in the time for. But I, I love working with people and in my 29 years in retail, I can honestly say, hand on heart, I have never had two days the same. Every day is different. You don't know what the next phone call is going to be. You don't know who's going to come to the office. You don't know what customer is going to come through. And now with MaxiZoo, you don't know what animal you're going to see. You don't know. You know, it's the, the variety of it. But I absolutely love working in retail and I absolutely love working with animals now. Yeah. Patrick, thanks a million for coming on the podcast and hope to catch up with you soon. Thank you so much. Not at all, Greg. Thanks so much for, for having me. Talk to yeah, you soon. Good, good man. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Where Pets Are Family podcast. If there are any topics that you would like us to cover or if you would like to give us some feedback, please contact us through our Facebook and Instagram accounts. Until next time, have great fun with your forever friends.